0: welcome to ashley on your one-stop podcast where we talk about health and wellness spirituality and all things new stick around as we delve deep into innovations to support a better world
1: hello and welcome to the show today we're talking to greg dean from the hemp plastic company Uh, greg is a 30-year veteran of the packaging industry and uh, one of the leaders and principals involved in the hemp plastic company, um, really excited about the work he's doing. Um, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, their work with different industries and the automotive industry in particular, as well as the packaging industry. Um, we talk about some of the details around how they are uh, working to green up plastics and uh, make an impact, and by fitting into the system and into the process, as opposed to trying to you know, really uh, completely change the process, uh, which obviously takes longer. So um, it's a great informative episode. If you're interested in hemp plastics and the environment and the impact that hemp can have, um, then I think you'll really enjoy this show. Thanks very much. Hey guys, as always, this episode is brought to you by Packed with Live Tea. You know, I always talk about how much I love iced tea and Packed With Life tastes fantastic. And I don't add any sweetener or anything like that. Just great tasting iced tea packed with organic adaptogens, including the four key mushrooms, lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi. Of course, it tastes great. as hot tea as well, if that's your thing. Um, and some people like to add a little bit of honey. But either way, no matter how you like your tea, you're going to love this tea and it will boost your immune system, brain, lungs, and gut. That's why it's Packed With Life. So get yours today at packedwithlife.com. Have a great day. Hello, Greg. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great.
1: Thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad. Greg Dean with the uh, chief commercial and operations officer at the hemp plastic company. Did I get that right, Greg?
0: You did. Yep.
1: Awesome. And uh, a 30 year veteran of the packaging industry. Um, Any other credentials that I should share in terms of. I've been
0: been working with materials since uh, the late 80s, worked uh, 10 years in the metal packaging side of things and then uh, made the jump over to the evil enemy uh, plastics after fighting against it for 10 years. So and the last 20, 20 plus have been uh, in that space.
1: Now you're trying to clean that up, huh?
0: Well, trying to atone for sins, I think,
1: right? (laughs) Isn't that the truth? That's what many of us are doing, I think. Um, Yeah, I I, I won't go into mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, you know, let's talk about, I mean, the Hemp Plastic Company, what what great branding. So um, pretty clear what you guys are trying to do um just right there so congratulations to whoever came up with your your company name and the brand i think you've done a fantastic job there right uh, on the, the url
0: has been very helpful to own that uh, yeah in, in the space because it does help center people in on you know our product line first which is good so
1: so you know tell us um tell our audience about the hemp plastic company. I mean, we can get into details, but, you know, just give us the overview to start with and sure. what, you, what you guys are doing and what you're all about. And uh, then we can kind of go into more, more uh, under the hood types of.
0: Absolutely. Um, so the concept of the company, which preceded my involvement um, with it, I think was basically a dovetail of two pretty important cultural phenomena that were happening at the time. One of which was the legalization of hemp and hemp-like products, which created, as you know very well, the explosion in the CBD world. Uh, And everybody in there, you know, was attempting to grow hemp for medicinal purposes. And so you had the crash and burn cycle there. But during that time, you know, what happened in the United States is a very, very large, new industrial agricultural, agricultural crop was brought to bear and there was only a certain amount of that plant that was really you know usable and that was the top six inches of the flower and the rest of the plant you know at the time as useful as we all knew historically hemp was 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 not being given a lot of thought to so that was kind of the thought process that in conjunction with the national sword policy in China which was basically and and not a lot of your listeners probably know this, but until that policy was implemented in 2018, China took 40% of all plastic scrap from the United States. So we would ship everything offshore that we didn't either dispose of or, and they got to the point where they said, listen, we can't, you know, take any more of this. And, and so that created a lot of buildup of, of plastic waste and pollution, which fell into the ocean and hence you had, you know, the great Texas sized blob of plastic that's slowly migrating its way over from the Pacific. So those two pretty sizable events said, listen, there's a solution here. There's a stopgap for sure. Whether we can solve it or not, not sure. And so the concept was, how can we combine that material, that hemp material in some form or fashion together with conventional plastics and replace a significant portion of those plastics with the hemp material, and that's what our standard formulation is. So primarily, we work with conventional resins, some of which are compostable, like PLA um, and PHA. Others are traditional, you know, fossil fuel-based resins like polypropylene, high-density polyethylene, ABS. And we displace 25% of that that material with 25% hemp. So we are filling that material with a bio-based filler as opposed to other traditional mineral fillers like glass, calcium carbonate, talc. Uh, Those are all traditional fillers. And the concept of, of replacing or filling plastics is nothing new. It's been going on for years and years in a lot of industries most prevalently the automotive industry. So we we you know I, I always like to provide a visual for people. You know, if you rail rail cars of resin are very common. If you've ever seen a train go by, I guarantee you half of that train is pulling resin. Yeah. And so if you can eliminate one out of every four of those by using a, a substitute material without sacrificing performance, you know, there's value there from from those that really want to take the angle on environmental wherewithal and and motivation for them to look at the materials you know the other thing about hemp waste as you probably know is that you know most agricultural waste in this country goes into animal feed animal feed you know is very easy to to process and animals they like to sleep on hemp but they don't like to eat it too much so that that said hey listen we're going to have a a, a agricultural reality in this country How, how can we play our part in doing it and so You know, we can take uh, up to about 10 million pounds of of that hemp material, whether it's grown specifically for our use in plastics or if it is a byproduct of another, you know, hemp protein food type product, CBD, one of those elements. And then we combine that in. And the nice thing about our filler, Ashley, is that unlike minerals that are taken from the ground, calcium carbonate or, or talc, our filler replenishes itself every year. It grows a new cycle. And so we're not actually stripping anything out of the land. We're using something that's top harvested and and using that as our filler. So it's exciting. And uh, it's been a, a challenge over the past couple of years, not just because of the, the COVID epidemic, but also because, you know, we've had some very, very significant headwinds in regard to force majeure with, with plastic and resin availability due to, you know, some global conditions and then some local US conditions that happened in Texas last year that were weather related. So, but uh, we're, we're plowing ahead. We've, uh, we've commercialized five recipes right now um, that have been uh, commercially utilized in, in injection molded applications. We're beginning to work with sheet extrusion um, and actual blow extrusion, which was my forte in my previous life. And so we're just now really getting to expand Um, The great thing about what our products are is, although you you rightly mentioned, I I come out of the packaging field, packaging is just one of the the verticals that we participate in. I live in Michigan right outside of Detroit, and the amount of interest from the automotive sector is incredible. And that's not surprising because it was Henry Ford who kind of started the whole concept of hemp cars back Mm -hmm. in the 40s. Uh, when he built his his all hemp car so we're not limited to packaging as an option although you know the focus on the reduction of single-use plastics is a high 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 priority and and largely entwined in that cultural discussion we had a few minutes ago so i'll take a breath here and let you jump in oh it's what it's great <laughs>
1: thank you thank you I've, i was taking notes i've got many many questions for you so you know in 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 fairness, is it is it's fair to say that uh, you guys are greening up then the plastic industry, maybe not completely cleaning it up all the way yet, uh, but you're greening it up with a 25% uh, contribution that's not. um, petroleum based and is therefore is also sucking carbon out of the air because we're growing it.
0: Right so so you the nice thing about hemp as a filler is it's one of nature's (laughs) greatest carbon sequestering plants and so we get that value and that's one of the things that the entire value chain in the hemp space is really working on right now we're all working on it you're working on it i'm working on it there what we know is there's carbon credit value there we're just trying to figure out now how to split it you know how much goes to the farmer and the grower how much goes to the distributor how much goes to the repurposer you know a company that wants to mill and dry material and maybe send it into the plastic space and the hempwood space and the paper space and, and all of those things. So that's, that's, uh, you know, one of the, the key elements of, of, you know, the thought process that goes into everything.
1: Yeah. And just to give a little background about, uh, around what Greg was sharing there, um, many listeners may not be aware that when you grow, uh, when you grow hemp, the plant itself, every one ton of it that's processed, um, is absorbing somewhere between 1.5 to 2.3 tons of CO2 from the air um, as it's grown. And so that's a, you know, that's a radically different environmental value proposition than uh, pumping oil out of the ground and burning it to create plastic, right? I mean, it's it's a whole different ballgame.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, I, I hate the concept of greenwashing that's out there. And unfortunately, I see a lot of people in our space, in the engineered resin space, you know, that are, are, are making a lot of claims that that quite honestly aren't realistic. And we don't want to do that. We're not in the greenwashing business. I, We're nothing but forthright in how we do things. But what I think we can be is a, a great stop gap from going from 100% virgin materials, all fossil fuel derived to the ultimate end game, which I would like to see us, you know, achieve in the next five to six years is polymerization of hemp. You can turn hemp into a plastic itself. The challenge is it's getting the the manufacturing capability of doing that. We call these, these resin manufacturing locations crackers. And a new cracker facility is about a half a billion dollar proposition to just get one off the ground at probably 50 million pound capacity. So in order to scale, that's going to take a a herculean effort from the industry, but we don't have to get there today, right? You don't have to go from zero to 60 right out of the block. So incrementally improve your footprint. And we're a great way for people to incrementally improve their footprint from going from uh, just a virgin material. And you say, well, what about recycled content? Great. I love using recycled content. It's, it's, It's as good as using, you know, any other natural filler to replace that plastic. Unfortunately, there's not enough of it available for everybody who wants to participate in the recycle game. So, you know, we I I spent a career working with all the tier one companies, you know, the CPGs, the largest global brands. And those are not the target audience for for our products at this point in time, because those companies are very smart and they tie up the capacity of post-consumer recycled materials. They tie up the the scalable biomaterials like PLA, they get the contracts in place. I'm, you know The folks that we really have the most interest from are that tier two and tier three layer that says, listen, we still move our products into the same distribution channels that the Cokes and the Pepsis and the Kraft Foods of the world do. And you guess what? The retail trade is asking us to do the same thing they're asking them to do. But guys, we don't have a means to do that. We've lightweighted products over the years to the point where we can't lightweight them anymore. So source reduction is off the table. We've looked for every potential source of post-consumer recycled or post-industrial recycled material. And unfortunately, that's a finite amount that's that's highly contracted and, and highly overutilized as an industry. And so that leaves you, you know, very few options, but you're still getting asked those same questions from, you know, the big chains. The Walmarts are going to everybody, whether you're Coca-Cola or your Jim's soda from Fayetteville, North Carolina. And they're being asked the same thing. Listen, you need to reduce materials. We need to go to net zero on all of our uh, garbage and trash at store locations. So they're getting tasked with all of those things. And so I think we provide a nice outlet to allow them to make step changes in the direction of reducing dependence on just virgin resins.
1: Yeah, that's great context. So to be clear, you can use recycled plastic in your, in your process, um, but it's just not available.
0: Yeah, we actually, I, I use, uh, some post-industrial recycled, uh, material polypropylene, uh, that we blend, but there is no infrastructure for polypropylene reclamation in the U.S. So in the United States, I'll digress into recycling for a Mm. little bit. In the United States, there are only two infrastructures set up in the plastic realm to collect, (laughs) reprocess and recycle materials. That is high density polyethylene and PET. So PET, think about your soda bottles, your water bottles. Those two materials are specifically called out and have infrastructure set up nationally to collect, sort and manage the recycling process. And even though those infrastructures exist, guess how much a year of those materials we recycle? About 25% for for PET and probably about 30% for high density. So even when you put this, you know, I live in Michigan, we have the big green barrels that we put all of our plastic in. And when that plastic leaves and goes to the MRF, the municipal recycling facility, they pluck out the polypropylene, they pluck out the other materials that aren't recyclable. That stuff ends up often in the landfill because there is no reprocessing for it. So think about that end-of-life scenario. Even in that end-of-life scenario, you're putting a bottle or a package or an item or a widget into the landfill that's now composed of 25% hemp. That's still, by the way, sequestering carbon. So as that natural decomposition process happens, and, and I know people like to think plastics live for you know thousands of years. Not true. Plastics, wood, paper, in a landfill, they all break down about the exact same phase so that's another benefit for us to say listen let's play the subtraction game until we get to the polymerization effort where then we could say hey this is a plastic made truly of hundred percent health. and I think that'll come but that's not a that's not a one to three year uh, you know possibility in, in reality
1: yeah understood so the um, you mentioned the PLA and the PHA you know, um, complementary ingredients that you use in some of your your plastics as being um, compostable, right? So is that when those products, then when you add the hemp and and make those, are they fully compostable?
0: Yeah, but there's, there's two types of compostability and those materials function in two different ways. So PLA is polylactic acid, and that is a material that biodegrades only under commercial composting condition. So in other words, it has to go to a facility. You can't throw this in your compost pile in the backyard. It has to go to a facility where it can be subjected to 170 degree temperature at a certain barometric pressure and moisture level. And that activates the decomposition of it, which is fine, you know, but that's, there's a limited amount of those commercial composting facilities out there. So again, trying to get those materials back. And if I set a PET bottle and a PLA bottle in front of you, Unless you're pretty trained, it's going to be very hard for you to tell those apart. So how is the guy who's making $10 an hour sorting garbage at a MRF going to know this one's PLA and this one's PET? So that's the, yeah. the digging into it. So that is the one type. And then the other type is PHA. And PHA is a, is a material developed by Danimer Scientific. The first commercial reactor was just opened in Kentucky about a year and a half ago. Um, And that is a material that does conventionally compost. So that is the material that if you do throw it out into material, it, it will have the ability to naturally compost without having to go to a commercial compost facility. The challenge with that material is right now I believe there's less than 40 million pounds of capacity of that material available and I think the big guys have have chewed up a pretty big block of that material so you have to be careful with the biodegradable materials because oftentimes I can remember when PLA first came out in 2001 I worked with Cargill on the on the material when it first came out I made the first rigid bottles with it, they looked exactly like PET bottles. But at the time, you know we were we were trying to work with them on the messaging and, and if you did the math and you looked at the calculation of energy consumed versus energy consumed and, and oil utilized in production of resin you actually had a worse environmental <laughs> footprint with the PLA because mm-hmm. the cost of, of growing and harvesting the corn, then you have to convert the corn to lactic acid in the first process. Then you have to convert it to polylactic acid, which is the resin phase. That's Those are highly energy consuming processes. So that's that's the challenge is making sure that people know what they're asking for when they you know talk about these materials. So again, that's why I'm an open book about these. I'm, I am material agnostic. I, I am not a proponent of one or the other, unless it's a it's a material that I know will work better in your particular application, and then I'm obviously going to to work with you on that.
1: Right. Okay. So, um, changing gears a little bit, let's talk about um, what you know. Hemp is a broad subject, right? So you've got the hemp seeds, which can be broken down into hemp oil and hemp cake, and um, you know you've got the hulls. You've got protein the, powder. You got the stalk. You got the CBD flower. Um, what exactly are you utilizing from the hemp plant when you guys are, you know, sourcing materials um, to make pl- hemp plastics?
0: So we have we have the ability to use pretty much any part of the plant we can, and you know there are two critical things that we do need, and you and I have talked about this a hundred times. That is particle size and moisture level. The key for successful compounding is is being able to ingratiate the the particles of hemp successfully and compatibly with the polymer molecules. So we need to have a particle size that works through all the screens and systems that we use. And then moisture is the enemy of plastics. Anybody in the plastic space will tell you that. So keeping the material dry and hemp, as as great a carbon sequester it is, it's one of the most hygroscopic plants out there as well. So it's even when we get it in small 150 to to 250 micron size particles, those particles are actively searching for ambient moisture. And so keeping the material as dry as possible is critical for us. But we can use and have used crushed seed hulls. We've used exterior stock. We've used uh, we've done a lot of work and are beginning to work more with herd. Um, it provides a little bit of a lighter color uh, and and you know seems to be maybe potential use in more extrusion applications. It's a little bit of a softer feel, but literally we can use anything as long as it's milled and dried successfully, and and that's the key to our business. And of all of the the. Subsequent tangential industries you can get off the hemp plant, hemp crete, hemp wood, hemp paper, hemp cloth. You know we have probably some of the more stringent requirements just because we're really trying to work with with micronized materials and, and do them successfully. So,
1: so you could use um, the hemp grain hemp seeds then you're saying you could use that
0: we have used them the only challenge that we found with hemp seeds is even though you crush them and dry them there's a there's a bit of residual oil no matter how hard you press those seeds and when you go in the compound phase you you accelerate heat so you create some heat blooms and you can get a little bit more oil release with the the seed so if we use them i would you know have it mixed in with other waste material not just doing you know doing a, a full just crack seeds would probably be a little bit more challenging than, than we'd want to work with.
1: Yeah. So what, um, what can you tell us? I mean, I'm imagining a lot of the stuff that you're working on is, is uh, under wraps with some of these companies, but what can you tell us about any customers or clients that you're working with that, you know, um, that are, that are, Listeners may have heard of or know, you know, brands. Is there any big, big guys that you're working with or up and comings that that, uh, you're excited about?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, I can't name names, but you can intuit that I'm working with the major OEMs in the automotive space right now. And and, and so, all of those, uh, in some form or fashion, including, I mean, you know, we've got inquiries from. Some of the electric vehicle companies because they're wanting to integrate this even into, you know, interior visible uh, parts, and so that way they can say, "Listen, look at our environmentally friendly car that runs on electricity. We're even using hemp plastic on the fascia, you know, or things of that." So there's a lot of look from the automotive space right now that's natural packaging it's more of the mid the mid-level molders you know the like the plastic packs of the world my own company and that they're so geared towards high speed high output high cavitation production that really to get new materials qualified in there is always a challenge so we're working with you know some of the lower notes we're working with a a major u.s uh restaurant chain right now um, who's going to introduce uh, uh, sheet material. We're, we're making hemp plastic sheeting now, um, which is anywhere from a quarter inch thick to three quarter inch thick uh, used in the building and architectural space. Um, we're working with a major apparel uh, company from the West Coast in shoe uh, utilization where you know we've, we've got companies that are interested in how can you incorporate tpus and and i i could do blending with tpus at a certain hardness level um that works with hemp you get just to too soft of a material and it's very hard to ingratiate the hemp into it so and if i could if i could name names of all of those different sectors i just told you you you'd recognize every single one of them um, and and yeah. someday we will but we've obviously got you know the thing about emerging engineered resin technology is it's very very protected not so much even by the manufacturer but by the people using it so when a company is using this material they want to have a really clean understanding before it gets out into the trade hey we're working with this new material and i understand that and so you know at some point we'll, we'll as as these things roll into commercialization the idea is we'll, you know, do the the appropriate press follow up and releasing that with uh, with those, and they've been great partners. And they realize we're a, a startup. They realize we're a small company, and you know, I think they appreciate the the uh, how far we've been able to come um, in such a short time, you know, and getting to where we are now at, at commercial scalable levels.
1: That's great. Um, well. Greg, thank you for being on the show. Is there anything, any last words you'd like to share? Anything I didn't ask you that I should have?
0: No, you did a great job. Hopefully, uh, the folks have a little bit better you know, understanding of, uh, of what we do. And we're always looking for opportunities and applications and pushing the envelope. And uh, if this prompts any questions or inquiries, always always glad to, uh, to have a discussion. Like you awesome. said at the beginning, I'm a 30 year plastics guy. So, you know, uh, that I'm a plastics guy before I'm a hemp guy, but I've quickly become a hemp plastic guy. So,
1: yeah, well, good to <laughs> you. I, I, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm glad the uh, hemp plastic company is, is making an impact. And I look forward to working with you over the next uh, few years to help uh, make more of an impact.
0: That's great. I really appreciate you having me on the show, Ashley.
1: Take care, Greg. Have a good day. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ashley on.
0: Nothing but the truth for a better you and me.